from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Last week, everybody's all caught up in the moment. UConn wins the national championship. That's five national championships in the last 25 years. And there was this conversation about whether or not they were a blue blood, right? People took, people took it very personally. And my argument at the time, it was that UConn is not. UConn has amazing success, but that doesn't make them a blue blood. Uh, if anything, UConn is like new money. UConn reminds me of Miami in the 80s and the 90s when college football institutions were upset that this new money was winning these national championships and running college football. Or I likened it to the movie world where UConn's kind of like a superhero movie that doesn't get that prestige. And you have people that just turn their nose up because real cinema is not the latest Marvel movie or Star Wars movie or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that because last time I checked, who's making the money, right? Like who's enjoying the success? Who runs the pop culture world, right? So there's nothing wrong with it. Just you're not blue blood. But I think I finally figured out how to finally prove Joe Yukon is not a blue blood. Let's rest the case right here, Joe. Yesterday, we get the news that Kyle Filipowski's coming back to Duke. And there are some other roster things that happened. Uh, and Baco, the five-star forward that uh, was originally going to come to Duke, has reopened his recruitment. He wants out of his letter of intent. By the way, shout out. If you're Hubert Davis, do you not call him up right now? I'm like, oh, I see they didn't have room for you up the way. You know, there is one way you can get in Cameron Indoor Stadium and become a legend. Just saying. Still happened for you. Still happened. Just here in a UNC uniform. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that call's happened by now. Regardless. Joe, what did you see in the reaction to Duke having Kyle Filipowski back? A lot of people now are saying, you know, not only will Duke be the preseason number one, mm -hmm. given the combination of players that they have back and the combination of players that they have coming in. Mm -hmm. But now there's a lot of Carolina fans, shout out to our guy Hunter Oakley, saying, hey, look, Duke is now Carolina. Yeah. Because they're the ones with the expectations. They're the ones with a, a second-year head coach. And they're the ones who just the – because I forgot about Gigi Jackson leaving mm -hmm. Carolina. I remember – that was going to be the end of the world for Carolina. Oh, look, they lost a recruit too. So there's just like all these similarities. And I'm thinking to myself, well, there's not that many similarities in terms of Carolina was in the championship game. Yeah. Duke lost in the second round. I mean, in, in my opinion, in my thought process, that changes it. But the offshoot to that was now, wait a second. UConn's bringing everybody, <laughs> pretty much everybody back. Right. Other than Jordan Hawkins is, is not going to come back. Well, their guard. But I'm like, they got a bunch of good guys coming in, too, mm -hmm. a good recruiting class. Good they, coach. They'll, they'll at least have three or four of their starters back mm -hmm. from the national championship team. Why wouldn't they be the preseason number one? Well, I guess that settles that, huh? And then I had to say to you, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and it's because you said, well, they're not Duke. And I was like, yeah, but. And then you, you were right. They're not a blue blood. They're not a blue blood. Because if they were, oh. It would just be preseason number one. Easily. No matter what. No question whatsoever. 
I wanted to get. No, back. They still have some guys, I guess, I, who could or come couldn't come back. Actually, so no go being the top back, of that list. I want to go back though to that that Carolina Duke f- flip thing. Yeah, because there are there are similarities. So there are and they're not. Right. All right. I'm saying but not being a, in the championship game. That to me is the biggest difference. There's a. I think there's a larger point to be made, and this is why I love working where I work. And I've never really had any interest working in any other market in America. And I say that with all sincerity. Okay. Let's go back a couple of seasons. And Carolina football was positioned as the monster. Yes. Yeah, Sam Howell's last year, you know, preseason pick, make the championship game. I can't remember if it was a pandemic year or not, but it was, hey, this is going to be the year Carolina makes the championship game. It was yeah. post pandemic year. Yeah. So, preseason top 10. Right. Mm-hmm. The dark horse for a college football playoff. Yes. Run. How'd that go for them? Did not go well. How'd they, and then they all, they lost the state and had, had to have to hear about it, right? For a long time, yes. A long, long, long time. And of course, what happened the following year? Well, then state went into the year with the expectations. And who got all giddy about that? Carolina fans. Like, oh, the shoe is on the other foot. Ah, how the table turns, the turntables. Okay. How'd you like it? Now, we argued then, well, there's a difference between why NC State's being talked this way. They literally bring everybody back. <laughs> it's That's the whole reason why they were talked apparently, about. The way- apparently, Emeka Amezi was the ACC player of the year that we missed. Apparently, that is the case, right? Whereas with Carolina, Brady I was pointing out. player of the year. Well, no, I'm talking football-wise. Oh. It was, hey, you know, like, there's a lot of questions. Were- the running, you got to replace, you got skill position players you got to replace. Essentially, it was you're bringing back a quarterback, you're bringing back your defense, and you're just looking for one of your receivers to step up. Yeah. For the most part, everything was kind of the same. Of course, we know how the rest of the season went. For NC State, it did not live up to the hype. It did not live up to the expectations. Didn't go well. So now we get to basketball for Carolina. And last year, where, as Armando Baycott said so perfectly, this year was just talking about last year. All right? They thought they had put Duke behind, rivalries over, and then what does Duke do to Carolina in the season, they beat them twice, right? Swept them. And they go off and they win the ACC championship while uh, they stay home for the NCAA tournament. And now, you know, Duke's season didn't go all the way to the Final Four, uh, but the point is they had a pretty successful first year under John Shire. And now the hype is coming back to Duke because of the news that are there. And sure enough, like you said, Carolina fans are like, ah, ha, 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 ha. But again, there's differences between how people talked about Carolina from their crazy five-week run and almost winning a national championship to the hype that came up. I mean, I don't think there's going to be a Duke Photoshop of an, a very famous Sports Illustrated cover of Dean Smith, but now in the role of Dean Smith as you were there. I'm not going to am, am I going to see John Shire posing like Mike Krzyzewski? Yeah. I, I do think they had expe- a 2000. Yeah, I do think like Carolina face greater expectations duke will face greater expectations in year two yeah under john shire but i do think the primary difference is carolina was in the championship game yes and they brought four starters back from the championship game while duke is bringing back players from a successful acc championship team ultimately they only won one game in the ncaa tournament that's why i look at uconn and go well obviously uconn should be the preseason number Mm -hmm. one but to your point, they don't get the same respect no. that a Carolina does, that a Kansas does, that a Duke does. And ipso facto, they're not a blue blood. And also, there's the factor of, do we like you? Do we like sure. the school? Those types and of things. And the coach. Yeah. What do you always like to say, specifically to North Carolina? Let's take this back to football. Let's take this to Mac Brown. Oh. Mac Brown's Did the you master. see that video? Well, here's a clip. So, 
we got Andrew, he's amazing. Andrea Adelson. He really is. Andrea Adelson and David Hale are doing a spring tour mm-hmm. for their ACC, ACC Network ACC show. Yeah. ACC Network show in play. So they did a they did a bit with Drake May where they were like all the historical answers were people who were named Drake, right? So then they did this tour of Mac Brown's office. And Mac Brown's got this table where all the rings elevate out. I mean, it's an impressive thing, man. And as I'm watching this video, because he pointed out to me, and I'm watching, I'm like, God, he is so good. Mac Brown is so freaking good at this. And he just reels off a Matthew McConaughey story. That was the kicker, actually. That involves <laughs> bongos. <laughs> what? And he was on the sideline all the time. So we're playing Nebraska one day, and it's, it's cold. Matthew comes up, and he's freezing on the sideline. He probably had some help to warm up. Uh, but he, he says, I'm cold. Can I got a jacket? So I took my jacket off, and I handed it to him. And, of course, they brought me another jacket. So I don't think anything about it. Well, we beat Nebraska. Next morning, I see on TV that Matthew McConaughey has been arrested uh, playing the bongos in his house in the local neighborhood naked. And he's wearing my jacket as he comes out of jail. And he's saying, yeah, man, this is all good. What about that game yesterday and all that? So the athletic director and the president call and say, Where'd he get that jacket? They knew where he got the jacket. I said, I gave him the jacket. They said, why'd you give him the jacket? I said, he was cold. He's so good, man. He worked in a whole thing about Jordans, too, of course. Of course, of course, of course. And again, nothing but respect to Mac Brown. There's a reason why the recruiting is always on point. There's a reason why media coverage... He just knows how to handle the messaging for his program. He's amazing at it. He's absolutely amazing at it. Uh, And they're going to have another hyped-up year, thanks to Drake May, because he's going to be a target for NFL scouts all season long. It's going to be a lot of tanking for Drake. Fake it for Drake. I don't know. We'll come up with some sort of tanking slogan for uh, for the upcoming season. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Carolina Hurricanes in action last night, Joe, and they did the thing that we knew that they would do. I don't think it changes any of our concerns for the Carolina Hurricanes heading into the postseason, uh, but they responded the way we would expect this team under Rod Burnamore to respond with how they started and eventually won against the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, there's only one time per year, basically, that a coach can call his players out the way that Rod Burnamore did after their loss to Buffalo. And you could expect a proud team. You could expect a successful team, which is what the Canes have been during the regular season, to have the response where they score two goals in the first 10 minutes of the game last night, really assert themselves on the forecheck, play their style, play their system, dominate the way that we know they're capable of playing. It was interesting to me, though, that those goals were in a very Keynesian way. Yeah. Jordan Martinook and Stefan Nason. And that's not a bad thing. That's what that's what Rod was saying after the Buffalo game. We need all of our players, mm-hmm. particularly with the injuries to Svechnikov and Pacioretty. I mean, he knows this. These are all things Rod already knows. And I know some people will, will push back on us, go, oh, you're critical of the Canes, and oh, you got to have a little bit more faith, and you know this and that. And it's like 
totally get that. You know, being a fan, and, and the Canes are a fun team to follow during they are, the regular yes. season. And they've had great moments in the playoffs where, yes, it is exhilarating. But I thought last year's turn in the playoffs where they lost to a team they shouldn't have lost to felt to me like a turning point in where they are in this process under mm-hmm. Tom Dundon. You know, you break the playoff drought the way that they did. And, and yes, naturally, you're going to sit there and go, wow, this is awesome. Missed playoff hockey. Really cool. First year they're in the playoffs under Rod Brindamore. They end up in the conference finals. Yeah. So, again, you're thinking what we can be, what we can be. And then I think now you're at the point of what the reality is of what the team is. And in this particular year, to have those two significant injuries, well, now you need other parts of your game to make up for that. Can they do that consistently on the defensive end? They are capable of it because of of how great they are defensively. But the truth of the matter is, in the playoffs, your power play has to be really good. Your goalie doesn't have to necessarily win you games, but he has to match what the other guy's doing at the other end. And they haven't had that in the playoffs. And as we get, there's one more game for for the Canes. And as we get closer to the start of the postseason, which will be next week, arguably on Monday. We don't know that officially yet, but all tea leaves seem to be saying uh, Monday of next week, opponent to be determined. I'm I'm over the whole, you, you got to have a guy step up. You know, last night was Ranta, all right? So if if you feel like, it's funny, I was, I was talking to Mike Maniscalco about this earlier today. It's like He joked, he's like, yeah, everybody says well, you, you can't win because this has never happened. That way. Well, not that it's never happened. Who's to say you, nobody's ever really tried? You get, everybody, gets, everybody gets wrapped up in a particular way of doing things. And if the can, if we can admit, this is ultimately what it comes down to. This is what it, this is what it comes down to. I'm trying to be a little cup of sunshine here. Okay, allow me this. Okay. okay? If we recognize, yeah, but if you, okay, if I can't, none I, of the, I, no, I, hold can't, on, I haven't I can't. even said what I'm about to I, say. No, I can't because the thing is, if you have a goalie, you, you would never take him out. Right. Well, that's, that's the, the problem. So it's not they like don't. It's not like you're not using like this next level, you know, galaxy brain. Actually, we to are. outsmart everybody. Be like, you know, we are. We're gonna try a system here. We are. Though. No, you would only use another goalie if the other one stunk. But that, here's the thing, that's Joe. What you don't want to here's happen. Here's the thing, Joe. We are doing that's that. That's not a design. It is. It's a flaw. Because we that's actually not a feature. We developed that's a it. Flaw. We developed it two weeks ago. <laughs> Regular season like playoff games mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is how the canes are going to get it done here's adam gold here's two minutes two minutes two minutes, two minutes. let's do that hockey hi boys and girls i've got two minutes for the carolina hurricanes pursuit of a metropolitan division title and how they beat the detroit red wings last night but first Thanks to my friends at Dysart Willis, defending people the right way, DysartWillis.com. So the Carolina Hurricanes beat the Detroit Red Wings last night. They won it 4-1. They really won this game in the first period, and they won it in two ways in the first period. It snapped a three-game losing streak. They got off to a great start. Goals from Stefan Nason and Jordan Martinook in the first eight minutes made it 2-0. And then their game kind of went away a little bit for a few minutes toward the end of the period. And it would have been a different animal if they go into the period 2-1. But Auntie Ranta had other ideas. Ranta makes the save. He gets the pad across and somehow kept that out on Iros. Unbelievable. Auntie Ranta with the pad save there. About Auntie Ranta. I think it's pretty clear that he's been Carolina's best goaltender over the last 
whole month or so. I know he was out for a while with injury, but Ronta went from November 12th to the first week in April before a regulation loss. It was an incredible run of 19 appearances before he lost in Buffalo. So he's got to be the guy that starts the playoffs. But Ronta keeping the sheet clean at the end of the first period changed the second period. And when Carolina gave up the goal, it was still okay because they got it right back. But you didn't go into the second period in a one-goal hockey game. You went in with a two-goal lead. Brent Burns restored the lead to 3-1 with a carom goal off a defenseman's back. So the Hurricanes were in good shape, not only because of the fast start, but because of the way Ronta played. And that's the way, for the most part, Ronta has played over the last five months of the season. He has made the big saves when they have needed it. The goal he doesn't like. He probably needed to stop that goal, but he has made a bunch of big saves. And that's where we are. And by the way, speaking of the division, Hurricanes need to stay ahead of the New Jersey Devils. So while New Jersey is in Washington tomorrow, Carolina is in Florida, and I think the Hurricanes need to win. I also don't think it's a terrible thing that the Hurricanes have to win that game to win the division because it gives them a reason to play with purpose. I'm not saying they haven't had that, but it is glaring right now. If you want to win the division and avoid the Rangers, if that matters, I'm not sure it does. They have home ice in the first round anyway. But if you want to avoid the Rangers in the first round, you got to beat the Florida Panthers. If you do that, doesn't make a difference what New Jersey does. The Hurricanes will be Metropolitan Division champions for the second straight year. Glory be! Dysart Willis, High Stakes Litigation and Defense. Thank you. Shout out to the Central Division Championship as well. Who can forget? That's Adam Gold. That's two minutes. Check out the Canes Corner Podcast, Morning After Pods as well. Find that wherever you get your podcast. So as Adam laid out, Canes win on Thursday against Florida. They win the division. Yeah, Devils in play here too, but win, you win the division. Good. The question ends up being, who do you play? in the opening round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's entirely possible that they beat Florida on Thursday and then see them again to start the week. Or the Islanders, not out of play. I would prefer that the Carolina Hurricanes see the Islanders. That's a good matchup for the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, The Florida Panthers have been on a heater. But, you know, Joe, you were obsessed with Florida's March and April last year. (laughs) <laughs> how'd that play out for him yeah the other team though that was really hot last year was colorado yeah at the end of the year of course we saw how that played out right so all things to keep an eye on uh one more regular season game obviously you can listen to it on 99.9 the fan tomorrow um this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Joe will not be awake for it uh, because Joe is usually in bed by about 8 o'clock. I do find it interesting. You, you have a, we're all contradictions okay, as humans. We're all complicated people. Humans are complicated. So I do find it fascinating that you have very old man tendencies. I do. Yes. All right? Like at one point today, while I was sitting in my cubicle, I noticed that the cubicle was oddly quiet. You weren't plucking away playing RBI baseball. 
but you weren't, I don't know, looking at Excel spreadsheets of golfers in your cubicle. But I turned around in my chair, and there you were laid out on the floor. I thought something had happened to you. No. 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 You just getting a little nap in. Great right? nap. So that's a very old man movie. Yes. All right. I love a nap. You sit here and you obsess over, well, when am I going to have my coffee? Wapner. When's Wapner? Co- Wapner. My coffee. Yeah. Just just wait till I bust out the, uh, the, 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 the number game. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. Jumble? No, I yeah, love you, you love a jumble. I do love a jumble, but so different. I find I find this contradiction amusing. As old as you act at times, there's one thing you really can't stand, and that's old coaches <sighs> popping off. This one really triggered me this morning. George Carl coached in the NBA for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I'm I'm going to try not to make this personal against George Carl, who somehow made the Hall of Fame with a losing record. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going yeah. to try not to make this personal about him. Rather, I'm just going to focus on the content of his tweet from from this morning, from yesterday. Excuse me. We went to college to get a to to get a degree, grow as young adults, and expand our basketball experiences. Wow, have times changed in the past fifty years? What do most college hoopers want today? Okay, without having a co- conversation with George Carl and ask him, hey, what did you really mean here? Yeah. There's a picture of him, one of his teammates, and Dean Smith. The, the three people in this picture, in this black and white picture, are white, okay? The subtext here, just from, again, from the picture and just from his words, are, you know, when college basketball was super white, when I was there 50 years ago, we were just there for the college experience and to learn and get our degree and become fully functional adults. Mm-hmm. Now that college basketball has predominantly black players and they're getting paid, I don't know what their motivations are, but I know they don't love the game the same way that I did. Yeah. Yeah. Really, George? Really? Because... Okay, now we'll take that portion out of it. He tells us the intent of him going to college was to learn. Mm-hmm. What did you learn in college that you expected the world not to change in 50 years? Mm-hmm. Okay? If I have this right, he graduated from Carolina in 1973. Yeah, 73. If he was in Chapel Hill in 1923... There would have been no refrigerators, commonly at least. Mm. There wouldn't have been that many cars either. Do you think perhaps there were some changes between 1923 and 1973, George? I I, I could tell you who would not be playing basketball in 1923 versus 1973. So you're sitting here and telling us my whole point of going to school was to learn. Mm -hmm. You didn't learn anything if you don't think that. Nothing changed in 50 years. That's not how it works. The world changes in 50 years. Yeah. No, you're right. The The, the world does change in 50 years. I'll, I'll go back to conversations. We good on that, by the way? Did you hit that? Okay, good. So, internet exclusive. I'm going to go back to a conversation that we had with Mike Krzyzewski and Roy Williams. Okay. When we did the Roy Williams podcast, what was the usual common refrain? When we got into this, when we got into coaching. How much has changed? Well, money 
They said always oh, change. The money. money always changes everything. This gets back to your point well, about learning. Dean but, Smith didn't make the money. Well, that a, a, a modern coach is going to make. Well, of course not. And Mike Shashevsky is the is kind of like the unicorn here, and Roy Williams is the unicorn here because he does remember a time when Dean Smith wasn't making that much money. Okay, but every single one of the coaches that we talked to talked about when we got into this, it was about teaching we wanted to be teachers what did Roy Williams say I did this because I wanted to do this I love the school I want to do xyz Mike Krzyzewski the same way the relationships and I believe and the coaches them. helped each other and they helped each other I believe them yeah I believe them so there's this camaraderie and fraternity that it, it takes place but the one thing that I've never really had the balls to ask honestly because it's not why we were there talking to these coaches at that time we were working on other projects it was well if it wasn't about the money why did you happily accept all the money that came along with it. If you were Mike Shashevsky, why did there come a point at Duke where it really was kind of about the money and the influence? Why did you flirt with the NBA? Why did all of a sudden, you know, things kind of happened that you got taken care of because you used an NBA job as leverage, okay? Um, and those types of things. So if it was not about the money, then you shouldn't really be all that concerned with how much you are making. And but the money has going. changed significantly. So in much 50 so years. that you have to take it. Well, you see what I'm getting a, at? But it's different. The game has changed. So, yeah, yes, in 1973, too. there were seven teams in the ACC in 1973. Mm. Seven. Yeah. There were 25 teams in the NCAA tournament in 1973. Yeah. So, all of this has changed in part because of the popular the popularity of the game and how it did change by the end of the 70s. Yeah, I guess I'm So not, the money contract with CBS is not anywhere close to what it was. Uh, uh, so you can't sit there and say, "Well, I didn't go to school for money." Well, no, you didn't go to school for money because there. there wasn't money. But eventually you kept coaching because of money. It's so this is where the money aspect At least comes he coached in the NBA. So the, I'll give him that th- much. This is a this is an issue that I have with coaches right now who are complaining about the current state of things because George Carl's not the only one. Tom Izzo was at it again. I forgot where this interview happened, but it's back in the timeline here in like the last 24 hours where he's lamenting the portal, right? All these transfers. Well, you know, everybody said to everybody be winners in the transfer portal, but look at some of the losers in the transfer portal. I'm like, "Yeah, cool, whatever." But here's my here's my thing. Whether it's you, it's Jim Beheim complaining about name, image, and likeness, and who's paying for teams, you're all doing it. So are you going to just complain? Are you just going to bitch? Or are you actually going to offer a solution? Every time Tom Izzo opens his mouth and complains about the portal, does he offer a solution? Well, he's also benefited from it. That's the part that I don't understand with, the, well, with that's the current the, coach. The hypocrisy, the hypocrisy has to be taken off the table because these guys don't care about the hypocrisy of it. Okay. To me, it's, I mean, his two of his top three scorers this year is a I'm going transfer. I'm going to use I'm going to use a phrase that I heard another dad use on their toddler the other day, which cracked me up because the toddler does not understand what you're saying. It was like, is that is that a solutions based approach to what you're complaining about right now? By the way, I, I legitimately heard this. As to like, the toddler? Like a dad was trying to clean up his toddler. The toddler was not having it. He was a toddler. And he, and at one point, the kid just kind of tells his dad, like, I want you to stop. And the dad's like, well, what do you want me to stop doing? I want you to stop talking. Like, I'm laughing because I've been in these. You've been in these moments with your kids too, right? But what got me, what cracked me up was, is that a solutions-based approach? I'm thinking, he's a toddler. You're trying to read this kid some sort of like business fortune 500 book like what are you talking about here anyway the point is you tom Izzo is an adult he surrounds himself with smart people right he's so not, he's not providing the solution where is based. the solutions based argument to your issue there is none you just want to be an old man that yells at the cloud this is the story of the one 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.